Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. You will be the same person five years from now as you are today, except for the people you associate with and the books you read. Let me say that again for the cheap seats back here. You will be the same person five years from now. Same person you are, except for the people you associate with and the books you read. That's why you need to pick your friends very carefully. If you want to be an idiot, just hang around idiots. That's pretty much all you got to do. It's just how it works. So you have to be a very strong person to become the influencer, not the influenced. I don't know how tough you are. I don't know how strong you are. Um, I can look at some of you. See, where I live, you've got three to five seconds to evaluate a person. If you can't do that in that amount of time, you don't live where I live for very long. So I can pretty much look at people anymore and pretty much without you even saying a word, and I can pretty much tell what kind of person you are. Mm -hmm. So it, ju it just depends on if you are the one that is easily influenced or if you are the one that's tough enough to be the influencer. I don't know. I really don't know. Hopefully by the time tonight's over, some of you will have some insight into that and uh, figure out who you are, what you are, okay? So that's what I do the books for. I don't write books because I have nothing better to do. Uh, if I didn't think that would help you, I wouldn't waste my time doing it. If you enjoy watching tapes, a couple of DVDs, there's one for normal Christians, and then there's one for not normal. Again, I'm not sure what you think you are. Uh, the normal one, this one was done by BBC. They showed up in New York just after I was shot in the head. And they said, well, anybody that gets shot in the head and lives? Well, there's the title. So they called it The Legend of Bill Wilson. Mm -hmm. It's great, isn't it? For years, I've been the strange guy running around the world, getting in street fights, driving the bus in New York to pick up the kids. Not everybody really grasped what we were doing for years. But when I got shot in the head, I instantly became a legend. So if any of you want to become a legend, meet me in the parking lot after the service. This is Oklahoma. This is the redneck capital of the Midwest. I'm sure somebody's got a piece in their glove box out there. Got a little something-something out there. Anyways. This one's pretty much for all audiences. No drama here. Follows one of the interns around. Most of you guys know about our internship program. It's a, a four-month time where you stay with us in New York, totally entrenched in the ministry there. We make your life as miserable as we can for four months. That's my gift. One of the first things we have you do, you climb a 30-foot pole, stand on a platform about the size of the pulpit. We hook you up to a harness, and then you have to jump off. Free fall drop. Yep. 
and uh, hopefully the harness catches you. That's the desired result. And we force you to do something you would never do. That's how the thing starts. After two weeks of being there, you're preaching on the street in New York City. So uh, if any of you want some info on that, there's calendars back there with our website, all the info on the uh, internship program is on the calendar. Grab one of these, check it out. We do it twice a year. Uh, this kind of reflects how that works. And then the other one, for the not normal folks, there's uh, actually these are R-rated tapes. They carry an R rating in this country. Streets of Pain, Gone Before Dawn. Much of this one was done by ABC. So we picked it up and ran it as they shot it and ran it. This shows where I live and the people that I live with. We do not commute to the ghetto. We live there. So that's what this reflects. So just depending on which side of the ministry and which side of life you'd be interested in, then we've got some of those back there. And uh, I'll be back there for a little while. After, do you guys have food here afterwards? Y'all do food now? Okay. Just checking. All right. The, uh, the length of the message normally depends on how hungry I am. I'm feeling it a little bit now, so it's your lucky night. Uh, I'm going to wrap up my time here at the school in the morning at Southwestern, and uh, and I'm uh, heading on to the next one. So uh, it's good to see you guys here, and I hope that the time we have tonight will uh, force you to think differently. Where everybody thinks alike, nobody thinks much, because you don't have to. If you're around people that are just like you, you don't have to think. You just follow the crowd. Just kind of lumber through life. And my goal, uh, as it is pretty much every time I speak, is just to jerk somebody's chain. Just to make you look at things differently, make you think differently. Um, it's not uncommon for me at any time when I'm speaking to look at somebody and say, what do you think? And it would be in your best interest to be thinking something. Otherwise, you're going to look really stupid. All right? Does that make sense? So well, let's, uh, let's see how this goes tonight. Father, give me a clear mind. Give me a clear word for these people. Help us to think in a different frame, in a different pattern. Because, Lord, we live in a very difficult world. We live in a difficult time. So give me a clear word for my friends that um, something will shift tonight. That's our goal. In Christ's name, amen. I was doing the uh, Southern California Youth Convention, which always seems very strange to me. At 63 years old, I still get invited to speak to young people. I'm really sure how that works. Uh, but I get to do this thing every year, done it for about 20 years. And I was flying to San Diego, got in early, and uh, there were some folks that I knew close to the border, uh, just across the border from Tijuana. So I drove down there as some missionary folks, got a chance to chat with them a bit. And I was getting ready to drive back up to uh, settle into the hotel for this convention. I had a little time to kill. So I pulled into this uh, gas station, 
and uh, got uh, got a couple of things to eat. And as I was walking out of the uh, of this Seven Eleven thing or whatever it was, uh, you guys have a clock here. Um, I saw behind the uh, the little shop there what looked like a uh, not really sure how to describe it to you guys. It looked like some kind of a little mud hut kind of I'm making it sound worse than it really was, but it looked like some kind of shop of, of some sort, but not a touristy dopey thing like they do down in, down in that part of the States. So I thought, well, let me go over there and see what it is. I'm a very curious person. If I have a question, I'll just usually come right up ask somebody, why are you doing that? Or why do you do this? Or why do you think like you do? It's not a bad thing. We have a tendency to assume things with people. We do it because we really don't know. So if you want to know something, ask. What a revelation. Um, so I walked in there, and what it was was this old Mexican guy and it was a pottery shop that apparently had been in his family for like eons where he actually made pottery from scratch. Now, I've read stuff on how pottery is made. I don't know if you guys are kind of up to speed, but it's quite an interesting little process. And I had some time, like I said, to kill. So I thought, well, let me, uh, let me just see what this guy is doing. And, you know, there are some people that are just naturally funny, and they're funny because they don't know they're funny. You ever know somebody like that? Like, they really don't know they're funny, but because they don't, just their mannerisms and the way they are, they're just very entertaining. That's what this guy was. He's this old Mexican guy, probably about my age, but as soon as I walked in, you know, it's one of those guys that just kind of captures you right away, and I said, hey, and he goes, hey. And I said, what are you doing here? He goes, ah. He says, I make pottery. I said, well, good for you. And so so I don't know a lot of Spanish, and he didn't really do really well with English, so I knew this was going to be one of these funny little dopey conversations. It's, yeah, well, anyways. So, so he said, to, well, what do you do? I said, you wouldn't believe it if I told you. And he goes, no. He said, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. He goes, ah, a pastor. <laughs> yes, a pastor. He said, well, I am the potter. <laughs> I thought, okay, this guy's, he's a funny one. So we have the pastor and the potter. Now that's how this whole thing opened up. So you know where this is going, right? So we kind of just bantered back and forth, and I told him I lived in New York, and told me a little bit of the history of the family business, and I said, well, you don't really sell much here. I mean, you're kind of out of the way. He goes, well, you would be surprised. He said, you showed up here. Said, well, yeah, that's fine. That's a good point. So he said, pastor. I said, potter. He said, do you really know? how we make pottery. Have you ever studied that? I said, you know, not really. It's not been high on my list of things to learn. 
in my life? He said, would you like to know? Well, what am I supposed to say? No. You know, people ask you those dumb questions. Like, you know, they're just, they're baiting you. I said, sure. I got plenty of time. And he goes, great. He said, I'll show you how we make pottery. Well, I wasn't tuned in. You know, I, was, I just got off the plane, and I'm still kind of, you know, not quite with it. And so he, he walks over to this, um, what do you call it? Like a big old, look like kind of an iron pot. And he takes his hands in like this and pulls out this pile of, uh, of red clay, puts it on the table, and he goes, Pastor? Yes, Pater. He says, the first thing that you have to have if you're going to create anything is the raw material. And when he said that, it was like, okay, well, that makes sense. And I don't really expect you guys to totally grasp what I'm going to say now. It's not that I doubt your intellectual perception, although I do. But <laughs> I love you, but, you know. Um, if, um, let me see. Okay, you're up. If somebody looks away from me, that's automatically I'm going to pick him. So let me just tell you right up front, if I'm looking at you, do not look away. Because I'll snatch you in a second. Okay, what's your name? Megan. 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 All right, Megan, get up here. You're not from the north, are you? Mississippi, uh-huh. Picked right up on that. All right, Megan. Uh, what do you see? Now, this isn't a trick question, so don't get nervous. Just look out here at the crowd. Uh, what do you see? A bunch of people. Very profound, Megan. Very profound. Great. All right, sit down, Megan. Thank you. Okay. Let's, uh, that didn't go exactly as I planned. All right. Let's go back here. Let's try. Okay. Let's try this guy. Oh, they know you. They do. They do. And you are? Kelvin. Kelvin. That would be Kelvin with an A. Kel Kelvin. Kelvin. Now, Kelvin, where are you from? You were born there. Okay, right here. All right. Very good. All right, Kelvin. What do you see, Kelvin? What do you see? Okay. How do you know they're Christians? You got two of them that are. That's a good sign, right? That's a great sign. I'm loving it. It's great. Great. Okay. All right. Okay. So you're assuming because they're here tonight, they're Christians. Some of them. Okay. Maybe not all. Maybe. Maybe they, yeah, maybe. Okay. Good. Great. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Yes. Now, I don't want to labor this, but um, now let me find 
going to go a different road here on this one. Okay? Yep. Woohoo! They know you too. Kind of, sort of. Okay. And your name is? Jesse. Jesse. And where are you from? Now, Bethany. Okay. Everybody's from Bethany. Okay. That's great. Now, Jess, what, what do you see? You're a little older. Not much, but a little, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Okay. Now, now, now Jess, what do you see? Hmm. Define diverse. Ages, ethnicities, probably even maybe religious backgrounds. A sea of faces. A sea of faces. Okay. And that's great. Great. Thank you, Jess. All right. Thank you. Hmm. Well, let's see. Yep. Hmm. How you doing? What do you see? That was exactly my thoughts. <laughs> I've been up here looking, and I'm still trying to figure it out. No, but see, at least he's thinking. That's a good thing. What's your name? Daniel. Daniel. What do you say? I don't know. I, I think I see anticipation. What, what makes you say that? Everybody's looking. That's a good sign. Because they don't know what I'm going to do next, right? That'll work. Thank you. That's fine. All right. Now, I tried to pick folks of different ages to come up here to, to do this. Now let me tell you what I see. Okay? I see exactly what the old potter pulled out of that pot. I didn't always see that when I was younger, so I get it. But as I've grown older, as I've watched people that do something with their life and other people that throw it away, you with me? I have watched and I have had to ask, what makes the difference between those that do something with their life and those that don't. You guys ever wonder about that? You ever see people that really, you know, they, they do something, they accomplish something, and you've got the other people that just give you the dog look? You know what the dog look is, right? It's when you're talking to your dog and your dog goes, that's the dog look. And you're talking to people and they're just... Just want to slap the fire out of them because they don't have a clue. I mean, they're clueless about life, themselves, what's going on. See, what, what you guys need to understand is life is basically like a songwriter. Now, now, now stay with me here. 
because this will help you. You may not get anything else out of tonight, but if you get this, it was worth dragging your sorry self in here for this. It's like when a songwriter gets that blank sheet of paper. Every decision, look at me, every decision that you make is like putting a note on the song sheet of your life. Every single decision, you are, what are you, what are you doing? You are developing the song that will turn into your life. And there's nothing sadder than meeting a 40, 50, 60-year-old person that didn't understand the process of decision-making. So they're all over the map. They're deciding this, they're going here, they're there, and then you get older, and guess what? Now you don't even have a song. All you have, my God, I'm going to have to do this one day. All you've got is a bunch of noise. There's no rhyme, there's no rhythm, there's no movement to it. It's just a bunch of noise. And once you wrote it, pal, guess what? You live with it. You don't get the luxury of rewriting your song. Choose wisely. See, life is like an upside-down pyramid. Starts up here, all your options. The older you get, Yep. See, that's the tragedy of people in their 20s. By the way life and our culture operates, people in their 20s make life-altering decisions at times in their life when most of them are not qualified to make those kinds of choices. Yeah, it's true. You can ask anybody here over 30, and they'll tell you, what I just said is exactly accurate. Because you make choices when you're young. Oh, I'm in love. Oh, oh. Really? Really? See, the left frontal cortex section of your brain, which is the part of your brain that gives you the ability to think, doesn't totally develop until somewhere between 26 and 29 years of age. So when somebody 17 says they're in love, no, you're pretty much an idiot. Pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty much. Sorry. Sorry. What do you want me to tell you? you? Want me to lie? I'm telling you how this works, guys. So you go off, you end up getting married, you have kids, get in debt, do all this stuff, Song sheet. Song sheet. What are you doing? You're writing the song of your life. And isn't it great now when I see 50, 60-year-old people that the Holy Ghost himself could come down and tell them to go do something? And guess what? They ain't going to do nothing. They can't do it. Why? Because the choices they have made in life up to this point have now put them in a box that they are no longer capable or able to step out of that. Isn't that interesting? Choose wisely. I look at raw material here. That's why I had you guys come up and say, 
What do you see? I look at you and I, I see a whole, I see this a whole different angle. I see you guys as a group of people, younger and older, as a group of, that if you could ever connect with this. See, we talk about changing the world. Really? <laughs> I got a wristband. I got a $10 Coney 2012 wristband. Really? Wow. You're just, you're tearing it up, aren't you? You're just changing the world. <laughs> Are you mental? Have you lost your mind? Getting a stupid wristband ain't going to change Jack. All right? But it's when people understand who they are. In you lies the innate capability. When my mother left me on the street corner when I was a kid, some of you guys know the story. She was alcoholic. Oh, my sister was a hooker. I lived through all that stuff. That was how I grew up. And I was 12 years old. She walked. I sat on that corner for three days. That was a defining time in my life. Anybody could have picked me up. But the person that did was a Christian. That became the time when something was put into motion in my life. Maybe next time. Uh, I, I actually found a little kid in the Dominican Republic that looked like I looked when I was little. And uh, the scars on the inside of my mouth, the scars under here, um, it took a lot to restructure my face to... Uh, that's all I'm going to say. So when you... How can I say this? When you look at yourself as the raw material, and I know it's hard because it was for me, I couldn't see beyond where I was at that time because most of us can't see beyond where we are because we're so caught up in the moment. We're so caught up in living and life and relationships, and God knows Facebook. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know what to say. Um, that if you can ever look beyond that and just listen when people like me tell you something, not because it's me, but it's just only because, contrary to popular belief, I really know what I'm talking about. That's the only reason why I do this. Otherwise, I, I don't need to do this anymore. I, I, I've learned enough stuff at this point in my life that, see, nobody ever talked to me like this. That's why I do this now. So if I just need to snatch you, then I'll just snatch you out of your seat. Because at some point, you have to understand that you are that raw material pulled it out of that pot, put it on the table. And he said, Pastor, he said, this is where the process begins. And the minute he said that, I thought, man, where's the video cameras? I need a, I need a camera for this. Because that, guys, is really the same essence that we have in this room. 
I look at you totally different than your peers look at you. If I could get you to see what other people see in you, when my mother left me, that skinny little, I still have a deformed rib cage right here because I had rickets from malnutrition. And the deformed face and the whole rejection and, and you know, the whole, see, because now we like to blame everybody else. That's the, that's the thing now. It's always somebody else's fault. I had, actually, I had Christians prophesy over me. I said, you're going to be an alcoholic, just like your mother. Oh, okay, thank you. Gee, that's encouraging. <laughs> you got to love those encouraging folks. But see, I learned that it's choices. See, life comes down to choices, decisions, and consequences. After Kobe Bryant raped that girl in Colorado several years ago, uh, the NBA now has a two-day deal for the inductees when you've got these young guys that are in their early 20s, rich, but dumb as a rock because they have no character. They got money, but they have no sense. So now they have a two-day kind of indoctrination program that's those three elements, choices, decisions, and consequences. It would be well if all of you could catch those three elements tonight. You're going to have all kinds of choices. You'll have to make some decisions, but just so you know, there are consequences to no matter what you do, good or bad. And there's no exemption to that. Not me, not you, not anybody. The raw material. And then he says, now the next thing, Pastor, he said, we have to start molding it. Well, I'm into it now. I mean, I'm in it. I'm just watching. He goes, we have to mold it. And with the skill of this craft, and you could tell, he knew exactly in his mind what he wanted to create. And he started shaping, pulling out the, uh, the, the excess clay from the inside. And as I watched him do this, I thought, now somewhere in his head, he had to have some kind of a mindset of what he was going to create. So just for the record, God knows, and, and, and we all hear this, that, you know, God doesn't make junk, and uh, God, okay, am I attracting flies here? <laughs> I ought to tell you something, shouldn't I? Um, that God doesn't make junk, God makes no mistakes, and it sounds great in church, and it's very spiritual, but the reality of it is, guys, it's really true. You can't see it today, and I know that, just like I couldn't. And it took me years to get this, to see the process that all of us have to go through for God to begin to mold you, to shape you into the person. That if you decide not to go along with that process at any given point, then the process ends there. The process really doesn't have... You missed that, so let me say it again. The process really has nothing to do with the potter. The process has to do with the raw material. Because at any point, you can decide, you know what? 
I'm going to go do what I want to do. And how many of us have seen people? How many? When I went to Bible school, that was back, what was it, 60, 68, I guess? Yeah, 68 to 71. Um, uh, we started with, what was it, 500 and something? I want to say 520 that were ministerial majors. These are people that were supposedly going into the ministry. Four years later, my senior year, there was less than 100. Out of that group today, best of my knowledge, there's maybe 40 to 50 that are still in the ministry. How can that be? How is that possible? How can you have this group of people that started in the process, that started doing something that they were convinced at that point they needed to do, but something somewhere... What do you guys think is the biggest thing that knocks people off, off of their process? What do you guys think? But in your just knowing your friends and people you run with, people that used to be here, maybe aren't anymore, what happened? Any thoughts? Any ideas? What happened? People around them. So the people was a negative influence, and they're out for whatever reason, right? What else? Commitment or lack thereof. See, that's why when I tell people your commitment has to be stronger than your emotions, ooh, that was probably worth writing down because that could save your life. You know why I'm still doing what I'm doing 45 years later? Because it has nothing to do with how I feel. When I was driving myself to the hospital, when I was bleeding to death after I got shot, and everybody said, oh, man, Wilson, he's tough. I've been in three airplane crashes. I've been thrown off a building. I've had my ribs broken, my jaw broken, my nose broken twice, three concussions, uh, malaria, uh, tuberculosis, just got over yellow fever that I picked up in Somalia. Um, hmm. I have had every legitimate reason. When I first picked up our first lady who'd been gang raped on top of one of the buildings in Brooklyn, they left her for dead on top of one of the 15-story buildings on DeKalb Avenue. Elevator was broken. I had to carry her down 15 flights of stairs. We're both covered with blood. Then it was a couple of weeks after that, we found one of our staff members dead behind the church on Sunday morning. We shut down a crack house across the street from the church. They tried to get me. One of them came at me with an axe. He couldn't kill me, so he killed one of my guys. Then after that, I got hit with a brick. It was a robbery. Guy blindsided me, hit me with a brick, right here, busted my cheekbone, busted my teeth out. And now I'm blind in this eye for three months. God miraculously healed me, but that's another message. And it's not the emphasis of this message. But all I'm saying is the enemy will never come at you with just one thing. Because most of us are probably tough enough to deal with one thing. You know? But see, have you ever noticed how he does it? It's boom, boom, boom. See, it's a succession of events that is designed to get you to quit. 
It's all designed to get you to quit. Because if you quit, he wins. End of story. Make sense? That's what this whole thing is. Whether it's your friends needling you, whether it's some of you come from a non-Christian home like I did, just just a whole general culture, whatever it is, it's all designed to wear you out. Wear you out. And then one day you wake up and go, that's it, I'm done. That's why today in this country, every month, 1,200 preachers close up their Bible and quit. 1,200, 1,200. That's a lot, guys. That's a lot of people that were supposedly called, called of God to be in the ministry, and now they're working at Kmart. Nothing wrong with working at Kmart, but it is if you're supposed to be in the ministry. And there's a lot of people working at Kmart. Should have been in the ministry. And on the flip side of that, there's a lot of people in the ministry. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It just came over me. But that's another message. So, with the skill of this master craftsman, watch me. He begins to form and shape this creation. I have no idea what it is that some of you will end up and do. But I know this. I've watched young people come through my internship program in New York. I've watched young people now that are in training to go all over the world. I wish some of you could go stay with me for a couple of days when I go live in the garbage dump in the Philippines. I wish some of you would do that. You won't, but I wish you would. I wish some of you could have been with me when I was up with the cannibals in India last year, where they pulled the dead people out of the Ganges River, cut them up, and eat them. I doubt very seriously if any of you would ever go with me to those places. But wouldn't it be interesting if you would just say, Lord, I don't know exactly what you want me to do, but whatever it is, here I am. Mold me. Shape me. It's an old Pentecostal song. We used to sing it years ago. Mold me and make me after thine will. While I'm waiting, yielded and still. We don't sing that song much anymore. Maybe we need to. Maybe we need to. Well, we can say, Lord, it's not about me. It's not about me. I like the old songs that were written by people that went through life and understood life, not just trying to get a contract and a record deal like it is today. Just something to think about. He's molding this thing and, and shaping it. And then he takes it and he walks over to this... Uh, Oh, he said, it looks like a bicycle. So he sits on this thing, and he starts pedaling it, and the wheel's turning. And then he looks at me, he says, Pastor, he said, the next step in the process is, he says, I have to grind off the rough edges. <laughs> well, now I'm going crazy. I mean, I'm flipping out. This is life. This is not making some stupid little pot. <laughs> 
this is life. It's understanding the validity and the value of the raw material and then watching that craftsman mold something. And now he says, we've got to grind off the rough edges. You know what I learned about grinding? It hurts. I took automotive class. I raced cars professionally for a year and a half when I graduated from high school. I ran for Ford. Had a full sponsorship in drag racing. And uh, I was job shop in high school, and I was grinding this piston. And for one second, one second, I looked away, and that grinding wheel drew my thumb off the piston into the grinding wheel, ground that thumb down, I mean, in a second, right to the quick. Just blood everywhere. It was great. Um, just, just blood all over the place. I learned at a very young age that grinding hurts, and it still hurts today. It still hurts today. See, and that becomes the issue that separates the liars from the buyers. If you can really say, God, grind off some of the rough edges in my life that are keeping me from becoming the creation that you have really foreordained me to be? Do you really want that? Really? Think with me now. Don't give me some stupid response. But think. Can you honestly, from your gut, say, God, convict me. Grind off. I can guarantee you, in a group this size, there's some of you that have got stuff going on in your lives that you know ain't right. Statistics tell me that. Okay? So you can allow that to continue. You can allow that to take root. Because what you feed grows, what you starve dies. All of you know that. So if you want to feed into that, it will grow, and it will eventually destroy you. Get it? Really? Because there is no exceptions to the rules here. There are none. So you can say, God, grind off those things, those rough edges that are, how can I say it, that are, that are steering me in a, in a direction that I don't need to be going. Or you can just let it go. You can let it go. And you know where it's going. You know where it's going to go. You know where it's going to go, guys. Sorry. History repeats itself because we're too stupid to learn the first time. Do we not learn anything from life, from history, from watching your friends, from watching other people? Really? Do we not get it? I don't know. He's got this raw material. He's molding it, and then he's taking it, and as he's pedaling that grinding wheel, I watched him put it up against the wheel. He says, there's one more step, Pastor. And he walks over here to what looked like a, uh, it almost looked like a pizza oven, actually. And he flips it open, and he takes the creation, and he puts it inside. And I said, what is that? Uh, he called it a, a kill, I think, kill, kill him, something like that. 
Yeah, you guys are witnesses. And uh, he said, it has to be put inside the fire in order to make it tough. I'm going, man, it's time for the altar call. I mean, it's time for the stinking altar call. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this guy is walking. This is life. And I'm flipping out. But the thing that was the hook about the fire thing, he said, every piece has to be put inside the fire by itself. He said, there's different degrees of heat that every piece has to be put in to make it tough enough to make it last. Are you tough enough to last? Really? How is it that I have made it through everything I've gone through? Didn't blame anybody. Didn't call 1-800-CRY-BABY. Didn't do any of that, like some of you do. Didn't do any of that. See, you don't get strength for a battle. You get strength from the battle. Let me say that again. See, when we get in trouble, what do we do? We get real spiritual. Oh, God. Why do we do that? Is that like, is that some introduction? Oh, I don't know. Right? That always, that always disturbed me. I never knew what that was. Oh, I don't know. We pray, oh, God, give me strength for the battle. Really? No, you don't get strength for battle. You get strength from the battle. See, no matter what will happen to me between now and the end of my life, what? What? Is there really anything out there that would make me quit? Like, really? What would it be? I, I can't think of anything because I've been through everything. You know, after you've been through everything, it's like, okay. I, you know, I don't know if it was the Mormon Tabernacle Choir or if it was Pat Benatar. I think it was Pat Benatar who said, hit me with your best shot. I'm saying, really? Hit me with your best shot. Because he already has. You know? And I know that some of this may not click with you guys because you haven't been there yet. I get that. But I needed to throw this out to you because you have this innate raw material that if I could ever harness what's in this room tonight, do you have any idea what we could do? Do you have any idea? I do. It's very clear to me. Very clear. I've watched enough young people develop and grow, and they're now all over the world that are doing exploits that you just don't hear much about anymore. And it all started in a meeting like this. In a thing just like this, a night just like this, when the Holy Ghost got a hold of somebody and said, that's you, man. That's you. That's you. I was so taken up with this process that I'd lost track of time. And I thought, man, i got to get back. So I, I thanked him. And, uh, and I walked out of the pottery shop was going back over to the car. But as I came out of the door, I happened to look back over here. And I saw 
a little area, probably about these first maybe three, four rows. And it was just a bunch of broken pottery on the ground. I thought, hmm, well, that's kind of interesting. So you know me, I'm going to find out what's this. So I walk back in. Excuse me, sir. One last question. What's all that broken pottery out there? He said, do you really want to know? I said, yes, sir, I do. And this was probably one of the most interesting parts of the process. He said, every once in a while, he said, in the process of the creating that thing that I'm trying to make, he said something inexplicable. He didn't say inexplicable. He used some Spanish word, like taco or something. Um, no, I, I can't remember what he said. I just used explicable because it makes sense. But he said, at some point, he said, doesn't happen all the time, but he said, every once in a while, at some point in the process, sometimes it's in the molding of the raw material, sometimes it's in the grinding where the pottery will crack, sometimes putting it in the fire, it'll split. He said, sometimes, even when I put it on the turntable, and is putting like paint on it, he said the paint will cause a chemical reaction to that particular piece of clay, and the paint won't stick to the clay. He said at some point, periodically, when I'm, I'm trying to create this thing, he said, but the clay won't do what I want it to do. So I'm... I'm just watching him. And I said, so, so what happened? He said, well, he said, if the clay won't do what it is that I'm trying to get it to do, then he said, I really don't have much of a choice, do I? I said, no, I guess you don't. He said, do you understand that? He said, yes, sir. I understand that very well. So I walked back out, and uh, I intentionally walked over there because he called it a potter's field. See, I'd heard that term used once, but I never really understood what it meant until that day. Potter's field people that don't have names, kids that are found dead on the street that nobody claims in New York, they bury them in a place called the Potter's Field. It's just off of the Bronx, up in the city. And I walked over there and I picked up a piece of the pottery and I've kept it with me ever since that day. I don't ever want to be I don't ever want to be at that place where I say, God, no more. No more. You ever wonder how some people have their lives thrown away? You ever wonder how the people that you thought had the most potential, right? The people that you knew had talent, it was in them. 
There was greatness. You could see it all over them. But somewhere, at some point, down the road, they decided, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. Okay. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. So that brings us to an interesting time tonight, doesn't it? Yeah. Brings us to an interesting time. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Because it's in meetings just like this where decisions about how you end up in life are made. And the only one that can make that is you. And you know that. You know that. It was a really long drive back to San Diego that evening. It was a really long drive. And I thought, of all the people I've known, of all the preachers I've seen come and go, of all the gifted people I've watched come and go, of all the people that used to be in church and are no longer there. How'd that happen? That's how it happened. They came to a crossroads. They came to a crossroads. Just like you will. And you have to make the call. Make the call. Make the call. Because only you can make it. Does that make sense? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we have a chance to look at life for what it really is. And let it speak to us through the reality of life. like the just the piano player a couple of singers please I don't need everybody up here just a couple of singers and a keyboard person please heads bowed eyes closed my time's gone I wasn't really sure how I was going to end this because you don't really end a meeting like this you just let it do what you want it to do No one looking around, please. I asked her to play that song, Open the Eyes of My Heart. I sing that song a lot. Because that really is my prayer for tonight. It's my prayer. We're going to sing that in a minute. When we do, you can say, Lord, open the eyes of my heart. Let me not just see with my physical eyes. Let me see with my spiritual eyes. Let me see myself, Lord, the way you see me. Is that raw material? When we sing that song, if you can say, this, this, this is my night tonight. This is my night tonight. Well, you can say, Lord, this is, this is decision time for me. Decision time. 
I'm not going to end up in a potter's field somewhere. I want to see this thing through. Whatever it is that you want me to be. Whatever direction you have for me. And if you feel like this is your night, maybe there's some things that you know, some rough edges on your life need to be ground off. I'd like to pray with you. I'd like to pray for you. I'd like for this night to be one of those defining moments that you can look back at a year, two years, five years, ten years from now and say, that was the night when I remember what life really is about. If you can say, Lord, it's my time. It's my time. From the youngest to the oldest. Not to end up in a potter's field somewhere. When we sing, you can say, it's time for me. You get out of your seat and you stand here. And if you're not serious, you know, I, I think sometimes we do this and we get used to it. Please, please don't do it if it just seems like the right thing to do. But if you really sense the Holy Spirit speaking to you and say, I, this is just time for me. It's time for me. It's time for me. Grind off the rough edges. Mold me. Make me. Shape me. I'm willing to go through the fire. I'm willing to go through the tough times so you can toughen me up so I can do in this world what it is that you've set me apart to do. That's your desire. That's your desire. When we sing, you come and we'll let the Holy Spirit do what he does. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Oh, I want to see you. You're coming. Find a place. Find a place. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Oh, I want to see you. Who else? Who else? Come. To see you, I am lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. Who else? Who else? Get out of your seat. Get out of your seat. Get up here. Get up here. Altar's open. It's not for young people alone. If you're an older person, and you don't quite have it together, maybe you want to come up here too. It's not about being embarrassed. It's not about saving face. It's not about any of that foolishness. If the Holy Ghost is saying something to you, and you say, you know, it's just time. It's time to quit horsing around and realize this real life, 
That's real life. I'm going to give you 60 seconds. 60 seconds. You make the decision. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Come on. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Oh, I want to see you. To see you, I lift it up, shining in the light of your glory. Just pour out your power and love as we sing, holy, holy, holy. Now listen to it. Listen to it. Listen to it. And we sing, holy, holy, holy. Holy, 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 I want. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm going to pray. I don't want to miss anybody. I don't want to miss anybody. Anybody else need to come? Anybody else? I don't want you to miss it, guys. I don't want you to miss it. That's why I'm doing this. Anybody else? You come. If you have to kneel in the middle aisle, that's fine. You're making a move. You're making a move. You're making a decision. You're stepping out from where you were, and you're now moving into a different direction. A couple more. Come on, guys. Come on. Find a place. Find a place. I think you guys know I'm a no-nonsense guy. This is real life. I've seen enough life and I've seen enough death to understand that there's enough raw material in this room right now. There's enough raw material here. They're still coming. I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait. It's going to wait. It's going to wait. It's going to wait. It's going to give it a second. It's going to give it a second. If you feel it in your gut, guys, that's the Holy Spirit stirring. Okay? If you're feeling it, okay, if you're sensing it, don't, 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 don't hold back, okay? Don't hold back. That's all I'm saying. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. We sing Jesus, Jesus, 
sing it again in worship. Come on. And we sing. And we say, we say, I'm going to pray with you. Father, I pray for my friends. Lord, every one of them that's stepped out has done so for a reason. I don't know. I don't know every part of their lives, but you do. So whatever brought them to step out of their seat, meet them at that place. Meet them at that place. Meet them at that place. If it's a personal issue that they know has to be resolved. Let them lay it on the altar tonight. Let them lay it down and it doesn't go any further. It stays here and it's left at the altar. And they walk out free. Released. If it's rebellion, if it's a lack of faith, if it's them just living a double life, faking it for years because they thought they could, I'm asking you tonight, Lord. I'm asking you tonight. That somehow, some way, in the simple story of an old man making a clay pot, but he wasn't really making a clay pot. He taught this old preacher the real meaning of life. And as I learned it, Lord, let my friends here tonight learn it. Let them never forget tonight. Let them never forget tonight. Let it be real to them. Maybe some of them will even want to come up here and pick up a piece of this pottery. Something that they can take with them. As a reminder, let tonight be the beginning. The beginning. I want you to put your hand on the shoulder of somebody next to you. Pray for them right now. Just pray for somebody that's sitting around you, that's kneeling around you. Just pray for them. I want you to lift your voices right now all over this place. Just begin to pray. Just begin to pray for that person. For those of you sitting in the audience, if you need to find somebody, if the Lord's directing you to go pray with somebody, then get out of your seat and go pray with them. We're going to take just a minute right here before we get out of here. And we're just going to believe God that this really is going to be a defining moment. So, Father, I pray for these people by the power of the Holy Ghost. That, Lord, we, we've seen the reality of life, the truth behind it all speak to us speak to us, speak through us God use us use us as young men young women, older men older women, let tonight be this defining moment be that defining moment 
God, that none of us would end up in the potter's field. That none of us would end up in that place. Because we just didn't allow you, Lord, to do the work in us that you wanted to do. So we ended up having to go our own way. And because of that, we lost out on your will for our lives. Jesus. 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 Let this night tonight, let this night tonight, let this night tonight cut deep. Cut deep. And he wrought a work on the wheels. Let it cut deep. Cut into our hearts. Cut into our very beings. That decisions will be made for eternity. Pour out your power and love as we sing. Holy, holy, holy. Jesus, Jesus. Stand to your feet all over this place. Just stand to your feet very quietly. Lift your hands as a sign of surrender. Just lift your hands. You say, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not asking you if you're comfortable. Somebody sticks a gun in your back, first thing you're going to do is you're going to lift your hands and say, yeah, that's a sign of surrender. When we lift our hands like this, all we're saying, Lord, I surrender all. I surrender my life to you. The rebellion, the attitude, my own desires, my own will, my own self, God, I set it down so I can pick it up and I can use what you have given me to make a difference in this world. Just tell them that right now. I surrender, Lord. I surrender, Lord. I surrender it to you. I surrender. All to thee, I freely give. I freely give. I surrender. And we sing Jesus, 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 we sing. the biggest hand clap of praise. Come on! Come on! Come on! Come on! He's worthy! He's worthy of our praise! He's worthy! Come on! He's worthy of our praise! Yes, He is! 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 
Yes, he is. Yes, he is. You're worthy. You're worthy. Freely, you've given to us. Freely, we receive. And freely, we share it with somebody else. Freely. We worship you. We worship you. Hug somebody. Give them a, give them a hug. Tell them, tell them. Hug somebody. Come on, encourage somebody. Encourage somebody. In Jesus' name. Some of you that came up to the front, you may want to pick up. Some of you are already doing it. You may want to pick up a piece of that pottery. Put it somewhere. Put it in your room. Put it in your place. Keep it as a reminder. Hallelujah! 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 Encourage them. Encourage them. Encourage somebody. Encourage somebody. your way back to your seats and be seated. been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 